Hi, I'm Michelle Kelly, editor of Cottage Life Magazine. Welcome to another episode of the Cottage Life Podcast. We've arrived at the final episode of season four. This week, we're kind of doing a mashup of two of our favorite things, reading and romance. First, I'll be joined by best-selling Canadian writer Carly Fortune, who'll be chatting with me all about her two novels, which have been nothing short of a publishing sensation. Both of them are set in cottage country. Then, we'll hear an essay from our archives, one that reveals what I think is the most charming cottage love story of all time. This is the Cottage Life Podcast, where every day is the weekend. Before we get to all that, though, first, a word from our sponsor. Hey, Cottage Coach Adam Holman here. Listen, we all have a favorite cottage moment. For me, it's waking up early to a misty lake, launching the boat, and being the only one out there. Unfortunately, the mosquitoes like to keep me company while I'm catching dinner. So to stay focused on the fish... I use Off Deep Wood Sportsman Insect Repellent. It uses deep for up to eight hours of non-greasy, stain-free protection against mosquitoes, ticks, black flies, and deer flies. Keep it in your tackle box and off your bait, and you'll have one less reason to sleep in and miss that sunrise on the lake. There is nothing I love more than getting into a good book up at the lake. And I know I'm not alone. One of the most often asked questions I get is for book recommendations at the cottage. Well, I have two great hammock reads that I can recommend right now, both by Canadian novelist and former magazine editor Carly Fortune. Carly's novels, Meet Me at the Lake and Every Summer After, have been publishing sensations, topping both the Canadian and the New York Times bestseller lists. And it's easy to see why. Each story is about that most charming and alluring topic, summer romance. And even better, summer romance at the cottage. Carly is joining me now to chat about her books and her cottage. Thanks for coming on the Cottage Life podcast, Carly. Thank you for having me. So it's been a wild few years, it seems, for you. Tell me, tell me about like, what's happened in the last couple of years to, uh, <laughs> from, becoming, from being a, a sort of a magazine editor to becoming a best-selling New York Times author. It's a big, that's a big leap. It is a big leap, yes, and one that I never anticipated making. I loved creative writing when I was a kid, but I didn't think you could make a living as an author, and I pursued journalism instead. I loved I loved magazines, and um, I worked as an editor for 16 years um, at Toronto Life Magazine. I was at the Globe and Mail, at Chatelaine, uh, and most recently, I was running Refinery29 Canada as the executive mm-hmm. editor there. And in 2020, in the summer of 2020, my family and I, my husband, at the time we had one child, we have two boys now, um, we spent the summer, the entire summer at the lake, at the cottage that we rent. Um, I grew up in Barry's Bay where every summer after is set, but my parents sold our house on the lake um, more than 10 years ago, but my husband and I still rent this place every every year. It's owned by a friend of the family's. And uh, he is American, so he couldn't cross the border in 2020. And he let us 
stay at his cottage uh, that summer. And I was working remotely. It was a very stressful time at work. Um, I was very frustrated. And I got off the phone one day with a really terrible call. And I just said to myself, all of a sudden, that's it. I'm going to write my book. I'm going to finish it by the end of the year. Um, and I'm going to show myself that I can do it. And it felt really important to me in 2020 to just reclaim my creativity. Everything mm -hmm. I had done had been um, for my employer since I left school. And I really wanted to do something for myself. And so that's how I wrote every summer after. I just got up really early in the morning. I set myself a very manageable word count goal of 388 words a day. And uh, I finished uh, my my draft in four months. Um, and then the rest was kind of, I, I had a very smooth, very fortunate, rare experience where I landed a wonderful agent very quickly and had a great book deal not long after that. It's kind of like the dream I think a lot of cottagers have is just like, go to the cottage and write a book. Yes, <laughs> you yes. know, that idea of like really such an escape. And when people go to the cottage, they're escaping their, their you know, usual everyday lives. Yeah. But you really did that like sort of turbocharge, not to mention it was during a really hectic time during the pandemic and you had a small child. So yes. Yeah. And I became like, pregnant too while I was writing. So yeah, it was you're a, making it sound really easy. It was, it, 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 I was just so, um, it actually was easy. It was very different. My second book was so much harder to write, but it, it, I had such joy writing that it was very easy to write 388 words a day and sometimes more. And it felt like, you know, I was in my late 30s. I felt like I was coming to the end of my career in, in journalism. I didn't know, I wasn't happy. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so discovering how much I loved writing fiction was such a revelation for me. It made me so, so happy. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's awesome. So Let's talk a little bit about your first book, um, yeah. Every Summer After, which I actually reviewed for the magazine and I read it like voraciously in, in a hammock, I, I recall. Uh, that's sort of how it goes with me in the summer. I love that. Um, you know, I always think it's the cottage is such an amazing um, place to sort of think about creatively in a way because it's so full of so much nostalgia and memories. Yeah. And I wondered if you found that and like how you drew inspiration from your, even your childhood or your teenage years um, and just your history of being at a, at a cottage and growing up in Barry's Bay. Yeah. So I, it was kind of the first thing that I, I knew I didn't have the story when I told myself I was going to write a book. I didn't know what that was, but I did know that I wanted to set it in, in Barry's Bay and write about the summers, uh, how I spent my summers as a kid. We, um, we had. I was born in Toronto and grew up um, in Australia. We lived in Australia from the time I was three until I was eight. And when we came back to Canada, uh, my parents decided they didn't want to be in the city, and so we made a home where our cottage was in Barry's Bay. And uh, I grew up very much like the character of Sam in that book. So it was, um, you know, down a dirt road in the middle of the bush yeah. on the water. And uh, the summer was the absolute best. We most of the houses on our road. It was a very, a very private kind of rural road. And most of the houses were cottages. There were only a, a handful, maybe three permanent residences on the, on the road. And I 
struggled with making friends in school when we moved to Canada. I had a pretty like lonely few years in elementary school. But in summer, there were cottagers. And uh, we had cousins who uh, were my age, girls who were my age uh, on the road, who who were my friends in the summer. And my brother had a friend who came in the summer. And it was just such a wonderful change from my day-to-day life when I was in school. The summer was magic. And, you know, we did so much of what is in every summer after. So, you know, swimming all day and Mm. lying on the dock and reading and jumping off the big rock on the lake and boating and water skiing. And I, uh, I just, I really yearn for that moment still, like I still, like the moment in the summer, for me, it's not summer unless I've I've been able to dive into the lake. Like that moment every summer, that first dive into the lake, that still really gets me. And it's so, it's such a special experience cottaging. And, um, you know, I experienced it. I wasn't the cottager. I experienced it from the other um, side of things, but it really is kind of singular. And I loved being able to show that to the world. It's, it's been really fun for me. Oh, that's so awesome. I it's exactly what you said about jumping into the into the lake every like you, my my family cottage was sold about ten or so years ago. It's and so, so hard. I, it it was it was horribly hard. Although yeah. uh the best thing for our family, what I find hard is that I talk about cottages for a living. So yes. I'm often like revisiting those memories, but that's actually the comfort. Like you just talked about uh jumping off the rock and every summer I go up to Westport where my cottage is was and uh there's this place we called it the big rock when we were kids and now we drive by it and it's like uh, is it a pebble like it's like yes. not big at all but it was huge yes. when we were little and I have that same experience you jump off that rock and it's like suddenly you're transformed that you're like 12 again and yes. it's that is really really magic and and I think that comes through so much in your book and that's part of the reason why I really enjoyed reading them and I think all cottagers would too because you really nail those little details. And that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about next, which a couple of episodes ago, episode six of this season's uh, podcast, we had the creator of the TV series, The Lake on mm-hmm. Julian Doucette is his name. Super thoughtful guy. And he and I chatted a lot about how well that show nails these sort of cottagey details, like the stack of board games that are sort of aging in the corner or uh, weird little things that are hanging on your wall that have been there for generations and you're smiling and laughing when you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I feel like your books do the same thing. Like there were scenes when I could really sense clearly the space, you know, because it was the cottage and because you nailed that. So how much did you think about that kind of scene setting when you were writing the books and and how do you think that makes your book special? Um, Oh, I think about the setting very like deeply. I can I can't picture my characters. Like I I describe them, but in my head they're very blurry. But I can I know exactly what the houses look like and where the fridge is and uh I love setting as a reader. It's you know, I find that that is books that have very vivid settings are what I kind of what draws me in. Um and I love writing about nature. It was what I loved doing when I was little. I loved describing nature. And I, um, yeah, so that, and my books have, I'm working on my third book now. I'm almost done my third book. And it also started with setting. Like that's every book, the idea has started with the setting. I feel like I, you know, I write 
love stories and I want people to be able to, I want people to feel like they're snooping on a real couple (laughs) and um, I want the stories to feel very real. And I think grounding it in a place that you can picture and you feel like you're there with them really helps. And it lends some um, authenticity or, you know, a a degree of realness to a story that is quite elevated. Um, And, you know, maybe not Although I've, I've heard from a lot of people who have had summer romances like Percy and, and Sam, but for some people, this is like a dream that would never never happen in, in real life. But right. if you can picture yourself there and smell them and see them and um, imagine the cottage, then it, it makes it feel more real to you. Yes. Yeah. I know. I mean, well, Fern and Will, um, who are the couple in your second book, Meet Me at the Lake, which I yeah. just finished. Um, very quickly as well. Like I was Thank reading you. through it, couldn't put it down, kind of fiction. And um, they also have kind of a magical love story yeah. that again is rooted in um, in cottage country and it's and in Toronto actually, which is another yeah. thing I wanted to ask you about. I think it's so cool the way both your books, but particularly Meet Me at the Lake, you're really talking, like naming the places. Like um, for people who live in Toronto, like you talk about Sneaky D's and the yes. nachos there and like the things that, you know, anyone who's who sort of came of age in Toronto would know about. Yeah. Um, you name it as in Muskoka. Like it's all it's all really specific Canadian locations, which I thought was such a cool thing because of how popular your books are and particularly in the States. Yes. Um, you were really I, I wonder if that was an intentional thing to like hang on really tightly to them being in Canada, set in Canada, informed by all these Canadian experiences like cottaging. It is now, but I have to be honest, I, when I kind of came to the end of writing every summer after and felt like it was a book, like this is a real book, I like should try to publish this. Um, And I was meeting with uh, agents and then with editors and I asked every single person if the setting was going to be a problem because it was very, you know, I had heard that Americans don't want to read stories set in Canada and that mm-hmm. like maybe it's not the wisest decision if you want to reach a broad audience, which I did. I really care about reaching a wide audience. I think it's partially my background as an editor and how important that connection with an audience is when you're an editor. Mm-hmm. And so I asked about the setting and I would have, I wouldn't have set the book in, in the States, although I had one person tell me that I should change the setting to an American setting. Um, but I would have made it like Barry's Bay nowhere where you weren't quite sure where right. it was set. And in hindsight, I am so glad that that wasn't the case. My my agent is based in Los Angeles and my editor, um, my pr- kind of primary editor is, is based in New York, but I also have a fabulous editor here in Toronto. And they loved the setting. And I, you know, I can see it now that it, Barry's Bay is a character in that book. And there have been, there are people who go to Barry's Bay to see it um, because they have this connection to it with Every Summer After. I met somebody, a reader in New York who drove nine hours <laughs> to spend a weekend um, in Barry's Bay with her, her partner. And unfortunately it was black fly season. <laughs> I felt so bad, um, but it's so cool. And, and now I'm, you know, really, uh, so passionate about, uh, passionate about my Canadian settings. And I, I love, um, I, I just, I love showing that to the world right now, every summer after 
is being published um, kind of the year later, a lot of the translated editions come out. So um, uh, it's it's being published all over all over the world, and it's. I just got a note from my German editor that it's it's rising um, in, onto the bestseller list in Germany, and it's doing really well in Italy. And I just wow. it makes me so happy. It makes me so so happy. So what you've done here is you have created a tourism boom for Barry's Bay, Ontario, <laughs> of all places, which is a sleepy little town. It is, and nobody had heard about it when I moved to Toronto for school. No one knew what <laughs> what Barry's Bay was, and now now. Now some people do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have, uh, oddly, I had family in Barry's Bay, so I've been there many times, and it is beautiful, and the perfect place to set a, set a novel. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you about is a little bit about summer reading as yeah. a thing. Um, yes. These books are perfect summer reading books, and uh, I think that's mainly because of where they're set, right, and the feelings, the summer feelings. I mean, I guess you could argue they're good for reading in the winter, too, when you're <laughs> looking for that little glimpse of sunshine but yeah it's sort of a genre all its own summer reading and I, and I wondered what you thought made made for a good summer read I really like a book that takes you on a ride for a summer read you know something where you kind of feel from the first page that you are on a journey and it's going to be fast paced and immersive I'm not um like I've my reading kind of varies in in what I I read. I don't, I do read romance, not as much as I I used to, because it feels a bit more like work now. But um, I just, I love a book where you are transported to the the world. And my books, you know, transport you to beautiful um, summary settings, but I, you know, I could be transported anywhere. I just, I just finished The Fourth Wing, which is the huge um, science fiction book it's like the like the biggest book of the summer, I think, and it is so great. I'm like, oh yes, send me to a world where we're learning how to ride dragons. Sure, yeah, why not? No, I haven't heard of that. I will put that. Oh, on it's list. so fun! It's so fun. Yeah. What else are you reading this summer? Oh, what else am I reading? Let me look around. Oh, I just started uh, Hello Beautiful. By... Oh, I read it. It's so good. Yes, I've heard that. I've so many people whose taste I uh, admire have said that that book is wonderful. So that's what I'm reading right now. I really loved um, Sunshine Nails by Mai Nguyen, which is a debut novel from uh, another Canadian author, uh, another journalist. And it's about a family. It's set in uh, the Junction, in Toronto's Junction neighborhood. And it's about a family who owns a nail salon um, that is struggling. And what they're kind of morally... Uh, questionable slash unethical attempts to keep their business going when the Starbucks of nails, this beautiful salon opens across the street. And it it is um, so wonderful. It is just a wonderful, wonderful book. So I'd, I'd highly recommend that to anyone. Um, yeah, I've, oh gosh, I'm just like looking at my stack of um, books on the floor. There are if so you're like many. me, there's like books literally all over my Everywhere. house. Everywhere. Like I'm, I'm sometimes more into buying them than I am into reading them, which becomes <laughs> problematic. But I will put all of those ones you just recommended in the show notes so so listeners can uh, check them out. And oh, I, great. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, so I got to ask you, you, you mentioned that you're just finished your third novel. Which, just like, finishing you, it. Yeah, I'm on my, I'm on my fourth draft. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank um, you. So when is that coming out and what's next for you? So this book that I'm working on will be out next year. So it'll be probably spring next year. So it'll be another another summer read. And um, I am, yeah, I'm working on it just like 
every hour of the day that I, I can right now. Um, and then I'll jump into my, my fourth. So is this next book about another couple? It is. Yeah. Would you ever consider writing an, a follow-up book? Like what's happening to those characters now uh, that are in yes. your previous two books? Because the problem is you get so invested in these couples and then the book ends. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure yes. you've heard that from your fans. I have. I get a request every single day, at least one request every single day for a sequel to Every Summer After or a book that is about Charlie, who is Sam's brother in yes. Every Summer After. People really want to see Charlie's love story. And um, that's not the, the, I'm not writing a sequel right now, but it is not off the table. It's something, you know, my editor and agent and I talk about, and it's really about um, having the right idea. And I feel a lot of pressure now because I get, I get asked all the time for this book. And like people, when I was on book tour, people like approach me and like demand, <laughs> demand Charlie's story and justice for Charlie. And they pitch <laughs> me ideas too. Like, okay, here's, here's a story for Charlie. <laughs> and wow. it's, yeah, they're very, so there, I do feel that pressure. Um, but yeah, so I, I think if I were to do a follow-up, it wouldn't be more like Sam and Percy would be in it, but I, I think it would be Charlie's book. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So this third book is coming out next spring and is also an, a romance novel. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. So I will be uh, all, all eyes on that next yes. summer. I've already got it lined up. It's great. Um, congratulations. Honestly, such an inspiring story. And, uh, you know, it's incredible that you did this. I mean, I think it, it bears repeating over the pandemic with two <laughs> small kids. That really impresses me because I also have two, two kids. So thank um, you. well done and all the best to you for an awesome summer. Thank you so much. And now here's another word from our sponsor. Hey, Cottage Coach Adam Holman here. I've spent a lot of time on the trail and every backwoods trip is a chance to learn something new. And the most important lesson I've learned is that when you're in nature, you have to be ready for anything. And that's why you'll never see me in the woods without my off deep woods insect repellent. It's non-greasy, it doesn't stain, and it uses DEET for up to eight hours of protection against mosquitoes, ticks, black flies, and deer flies. Pack it for your next big adventure and you'll be ready to embrace the trail without any distractions. For this week's essay, In the Name of Cottage Romance, I couldn't resist sharing something near and dear to my own heart. In our early summer 2018 issue, which we called our love issue, I wrote my editor's note about my very favorite cottage love story, a tale that speaks right to the heart of who I am. Here is The Summer of Love, read by the author. If it were not for our cottage, there would be no me at all. My parents met as teenagers in Westport, Ontario, a small community just north of Kingston. My mom grew up on a nearby farm, and my father, a Torontonian, spent his summers at a farmhouse on the other side of the lake. To hear my mom tell it, she wasn't interested in him when they first met at a dance in town, and she certainly wasn't looking for a relationship. 
Having grown up in a village of only 700 people, she wanted to explore the world, not settle down with a guy she met when she was only 15 years old. So although they were friendly when they crossed paths over the course of those early summers, the sparks didn't really fly. Until the summer of 1971. My mom, by now a nurse in Kingston, ran into my dad at a wedding in Toronto. They each brought a date that day, but it seemingly couldn't be helped that the two of them ended up deep in conversation all evening. This did not go over well with their dates, but that's another story. A classic summer romance followed, the two of them meeting up at the lake each weekend, he from Toronto and she from Kingston. They were trying to enjoy every moment before the summer came to an end. That fall, she was moving to Vancouver and he was finding momentum in his career in Toronto. They parted in September with no firm commitment, but knowing that this was probably something. My father was never long on patience, and after many months of cross-country romance, he knew that a grand gesture was in order. In the spring of 1972, he flew to Vancouver. He got a great hotel room down on the water and invited my mom for dinner. Mid-meal, there was a knock at the door. It was a delivery from Toronto, full architectural plans for a place of their own on the lake back home. Ostensibly, he was filling her in on what he'd been up to, but the gesture was really an invitation. Come home. Let's have a life. Here is where our family will be. This proved to be an offer that even my adventure-prone mother could not resist, thankfully. She came home to their new cottage that summer. They were married in Westport about a year later. My brothers and I came along not too long after that. This is my favorite cottage love story. Two people falling in love with each other and making plans to share that love in abundance at a little cottage on the lake. That's it for this episode and for this season. My sincere thanks for joining me over the last few weeks. I hope we've made your cottage commute a little less stressful or even added a bit of inspiration to your time at the lake. If you've listened to the previous episodes of the podcast, you know what I'm going to say next. Please subscribe to Cottage Life magazine. Not only do subscriptions to Cottage Life help fund this podcast, I promise you that it's the most useful thing that you can have around your cottage, like a handbook for weekend living. And of course, podcast listeners get a special deal when they sign up for the magazine. Use the code cottagelife.com slash podoffer and you'll get six issues plus a free copy of the Cottage Life logbook, a dedicated place to record all the moments that make cottage living so special. All of this for just $24.95. Here's that code again, cottagelife.com slash podoffer. Since it's our final episode of the summer, I wanted to take a minute to thank a few of my colleagues who work on this project, all of whom are awesome. Matt Manouge, Andrew Mariscato, and Alec Pestan of Vienna set up our very own audio studio, something I never could have done myself. Thank you. Rosemary Monroe connected us with our partner, Off, whose support we really appreciate. Adam Holman is a great ambassador for our brand. Thanks for bringing the ads to life, coach. Meredith Newfeld makes sure that each episode is uploaded and ready for listeners, sometimes with very little turnaround time. Sorry about that, Mare. A huge shout out to the editorial team at Cottage Life. Jackie Davis, Alicia Vandertote, Megan McFadden, Kathleen O'Hare, Taylor Kristen, and Marie Wayne. 
who all endlessly champion the podcast every chance they get, be it through the magazine, our website, or through one of our five newsletters. Marie Wayne in particular is a pillar of support, taking care of all the little and not so little ongoing tasks that come with producing each season. Thank you, Marie. Amanda Fusco does our sound design and makes me sound so much better than I actually do, somehow. You rock. And finally, thank you to my co-producer, Catherine Jun, who patiently guides us all with her audio and journalistic expertise. It's been a joy to work with you, CJ, as always. I hope you've all enjoyed season four, and I wish you all the best for a safe and happy rest of summer. There's a few weeks left yet. Until next time, I'll see you on the dock.